0: and welcome to the free like me podcast by FLM this podcast aims to help people like you navigate the world of financial planning we'll be delving into things that we and our clients care about talking about hot topics and inviting you to get to know our team a little bit better My name is Caitlin Lambert, Senior Advisor at FLM Wealth Management. And today we are joined by two of my fellow advisors and friends, uh, Peter Coleridge and Harry Vaughan. And we're going to be talking about the R word. Welcome to the FLM podcast, Harry and Peter.
1: Thanks, Caitlin. Yes, I'm Harry, a financial advisor at FLM. I joined in 2013, having graduated and wanting a job that allowed me to pose around the city in a suit. And it turned out that I absolutely love it. It's great hearing clients' plans and aspirations for the future and looking at the planning we can put in place to help them get there.
2: Thanks, Caitlin. It's a pleasure to be on the line. Um, I'm at the different end of the spectrum to Harry. I've been with FLM now for 15 years. In fact, celebrated that anniversary last month. Uh, but that's after basically a 30-year career in the corporate world, uh, always in finance, but not in the financial services, which I only moved into after being made redundant. And it's opened a wonderful world to me and a lot of exciting people. And uh, I'll be doing this for a while yet.
0: Thank you both. We are really excited to have you here today. So, Peter, if we just start with you. Today, I've mentioned we're going to be talking about the R word, which is retirement. So... In your opinion, why is this such a tricky topic to navigate?
2: Well, I think it's, it's a bit like, you know, talking about dying and talking about various other things like that. It's, um, you know, it used to be considered a sort of a, a, a destination that you would reach and then it would be a mark of the sort of end of normal life as you'd known it sort of thing. And I think that persisted for a long time and therefore or about you know sometimes like people talking about money and things like that it's just uncomfortable because it, it feels as though you're marking the end of something and, and I don't think that's why it has been that way I, I happen to think that it's changing actually and I've certainly seen it change in my lifetime um,
1: but I think that's probably why it's considered to be a bit of a tricky topic quite frankly. I think you're absolutely right Peter it's even some negative connotations with things like retirement villages, <laughs> you know, it's, it's sort of for elderly people, isn't it? You know, for, for older people, but you know, the reality of the piece is for a, for a 60 year old retiring now, you know, that's your average life expectancy is 25, 26 years, um, of various stages and, and hopefully lots of, lots of great experiences still still to come.
2: Yeah, and I I think that is the the point. I think what's changing is that certainly I grew up, you know, where my family and the people we mixed with and so forth. Retirement then was definitely a destination. You, You know, you had a classic three phase stage to life where you spent the first sort of 20 or so years, depending on what you did in the whole education, growing up syndrome. Then you spent the next circa 40 years working. And then you retired. And it was a very kind of clear, defined three stage process. And unfortunately, back then, you know, in the uh, 50s, 60s, when I kind of remember those things growing up, um, people didn't really live that long. I mean, if you got, you know, if somebody died in their 70s when I was when I was young, people would say, well, they had quite a good innings. I mean, we'd be appalled these days to talk like that about somebody dying in their 70s. we We'd feel really cheated. And I think um, once you move away from that kind of feeling that it's some kind of cliff edge that you reach where everything changes, and start to see it now in the context of actually a lot of people now on the planet are going to live to a hundred or more. So the lifespans, you know, it's too long to have a three-phase approach. You've you've really got to look at it as multi-phases throughout your life, and you know, all of those. We've all heard about the 100-year life and the books written about it where it talks about having multi-careers and everything else. And I think that is changing people's perception of it and they're seeing it more now as a just another phase of life, to be enjoyed like the other phases of life, not some kind of you know end-of-term kind of uh, dreary existence.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I'm definitely noticing um, that old school cliff edge style of retirement is just not what people want these days and it's funny I caught up with a client earlier this week who um, retired partway through last year and he was telling me he's just gone back into a CEO position and he was like I know I said I'd retired but I was bored he was like it might have been you know COVID we haven't been able to go anywhere but I actually miss work and you know he's back working again after a really short period out of Out of work. And I'm seeing that more and more these days, actually.
2: Yeah, I think that's that that those changes are taking place. I mean, if I take my own example, for instance, you know, I I kind of did the first two stages of the classic, you know, education phase and then 30, 30 odd years of working in the corporate world, then got made redundant and then ended up in financial services, which (laughs) is where I am now. And I've just literally last month celebrated 15 years doing this stage of career you know and I'm well into my 60s as you know I'm 68 and I've no desire to think of stopping doing things whether you call it retirement or anything else is irrelevant it's just a stage of life that you now find yourself in and uh, you want to make the most of it and that's that's how I see it and increasingly I think that's how people need to plan for it.
0: Well that leads me quite nicely onto our next question um, which is What are the differences that you see between the emotional responses of someone just starting their retirement savings journey and someone who is about to retire? Now, I know, Peter, you're not you've just said you don't plan on retiring anytime soon. But I think it's fair to say that you and Harry are at very different stages of your retirement savings journeys. So, um, Harry, be good to hear from you as to what you think those key differences are.
1: Yeah, and as someone in their thirties right now, retirement seems a bit of a way off. Um, and some days it can seem so far off that you almost question, you know, whether you'll ever get there. Um, and you know how doing a tiny thing now will make any difference, you know, in that in that long run. Um, I mean, the flip side of that is I I really enjoy my job, but I still don't actually plan on doing it until the day I keel over. Uh, so it's important to be to me to be building an idea and almost imagining, I suppose what I would be doing if I didn't have to work um, in terms of what the lifestyle would look like, travel, hobbies. You know, people talk about building bucket lists. um, And that sort of helped me to change that uh, emotion a little bit from being overawed and a bit daunted by the concept of having to build up a huge pot of money to actually getting a bit excited about building something to look forward to.
0: Yeah, I think also when you can really visualize and start to properly think about what the, that journey might look like, it also makes it um, more palatable when you are putting away some savings for the very long term uh, rather than just thinking, you know, I'm putting this money away, I'm not going to see it for the next 30 years. That can feel a little bit um, daunting. Whereas when you've really thought about what does that actually mean for my future, it, it definitely helps with that process. Do you want to add anything, Peter?
2: Um, no. Well, I think in I think in terms of the uh, the other end of the telescope, where you know you people are at the stage of uh, retirement, I think the emotions are are quite different there, and it's a it's it's a bit like happens when you get any big events anywhere in your life, you kind of uh, suddenly acquire these anxieties at that particular stage of life where. The structures, the norms that have been around you for you know many many years, in most instances, all of a sudden they're not going to be around you anymore. And it's not just the financial side of the equation that you know you don't you're not necessarily having you know the regular income drop through your bank account every month. It's also many more facets. You know, you, you, people derive a lot of their you know the the view of themselves from what they do you know how many times you have a conversation the first thing people ask is what do you do you know kind of thing and it almost defines you and when you're at that point where those things are changing it worries you and you're anxious you know not only of well have I got enough income you know to do the things I want in retirement but actually what am I going to do now you know because we are as we said before, uh, in terms of uh, time spans, now I mean, I'm sixty-eight. I would be really feel cheated if I don't get to, you know, the other side of ninety. Well, that's twenty odd years away. So no way, you know, do you, you kind of want to feel as though you're anonymous in those times? You want to get on with life. Um, so there are these anxieties that then that come up, and that's why. It's wrong to think that you've reached somewhere where the rest of your life is then defined by just uh, one particular uh, set of structures. You know, you want to be in a position where you're still planning for the next twenty years, which will be different phases. I mean, I often talk to my clients about this phase of life being a three-phase uh, stage of a uh, phase uh, where it's I call it the the go-go years. The go slow years and the no go years. So in those that first time after you've stopped having to, you know, be nine to five in an office somewhere in some very uh, taxing structure, you've still got loads of energy, and you know m- more of us are healthy and we've got loads of mojo and and get up and go. And you want to get up and go. You've got the time to do it, and you want to have the flexibility financially to be able to do it at that stage there will naturally come a point and it'll be different for all of us at exactly when that point comes, when, you know, nature does take over a bit or even your view of things takes over a bit and you might not want to be doing quite so many long haul trips or, you know, sort of uh, climbing the Grand Canyon or whatever it is you choose to do. And therefore that next kind of go slow phase will be different. And actually therefore also the spending and, uh, requirements for income will be different to that phase, and then the place you really don't really want to go, if any of us can avoid it, is you know the, the point where you're you know you, you you're not able to do very much at all, and life becomes a lot less fruitful. Uh, I tell my sons all the time that they can let the handbrake off my mobility scooter when I get to that stage because I have no desire to go to that point, but if I have to, the planning is in place where that will. That will you know be accommodated and can be accommodated. So when you look at something that's that kind of framework, it just means you've got to do what you've needed to do earlier in life and, and plan of how you're going to go through that to maximize really what you get out of that phase, which is a great phase. you've got more flexibility, less hang-ups about yourself and all other things that you have throughout your life you know and uh, uh,
1: you know you want to enjoy it so plan for it. I was going to add that I think the concept of, of even a retirement date, you know, a fixed age on your pension is, is very outdated, isn't it? Um, it's increasingly, we see people kind of working, you know, when they feel they've got, you know, a lot to give still way past what's something that they set 30 years ago when they signed up to a scheme. Um, I think the people that I look at that have the best retirements and something to aspire to being you know, client wise and, and other connections, it's, it's those that can work on their own terms. Sort of as and when, which is my understanding of what you do, Peter, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean uh, that's that that's really it. You know, you uh, there's no defined date. You just do it while you like it. And I mean, I don't need to work in this stage. I'm not doing it for the money. Money's great because it gives extra flexibility, but it's not what keeps me doing it. I do it because I enjoy it and the interaction. But I'm in a in a phase where I don't have to compromise. My lifestyle and the things I want to do, because I'm not on somebody else's treadmill at this stage. I'm determining myself, determining uh, what I want to do, and that's what the ideal is, I think, for for uh, people to do is to try to get that get to that stage where they have choices. I think rather than think about it now as an age or a particular threshold or whatever, I think it's if you look at it more on. Um, having choices of what you want to do. Now that can be that could be anywhere. It could be in your forties or your fifties. Doesn't have to be your sixties, and it can certainly be in your seventies. I mean, that's where I'm heading for. But you give yourself the opportunity to decide what you want to do, what work you want to do, what work you'd like to do, and you try to get yourself in a position where you're planning and how you've built things up to that stage, give you the options to be able to do that. Now, you know, the rules and the regulations that have have come into force in the last sort of 15 years, while I've been in this business on the whole pension front, means that now it's easier to do that because we've got flexibility in our pensions. 15 years ago, the real only option for most people was to buy an annuity if you didn't have a company sponsored defined benefit scheme, the gold-plated pensions that we talk about, which fortunately I have as well, but the, there was really no other option. You couldn't kind of flexibly access your pension like you can now, which gives you a tremendous amount of different choices about when you spend it and how you access it and what other assets you use instead, or if you work, you don't take as much out. That makes a massive difference to the quality of, you know, life you can have when you can effectively, with good planning, play around with those ways of taking income and so forth and turning it on, turning it off as you want to. And that puts a lot of power in your hands. And once you feel like that, you take away the anxieties and the emotional anxiety that comes when regular income doesn't drop through the door every day or every week or every month or whatever it is you do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's something we discuss with our clients on a regular basis, and you know, one of the first questions we might ask someone we meet for the first time, which is, "What does financial freedom look like and mean to you?" And that's really what we're all trying to achieve here. And then it's, "Okay, we know what what you're looking for. How do we help you achieve that and provide clarity?" Because as you say, Peter, having that clarity is having power and it does relieve you of all of those stress and anxieties that come with moving into this next phase of life. And so, Harry, it'd be interesting if you could just um, talk a little bit around um, what elements of retirement you people often neglect to prepare for.
1: Yeah, I I try and encourage people to think about it strategically strategically. and what I mean by that, you know, maybe an easy example is if you know someone's got a spouse or partner is you know to be thinking about you know this is our journey together, or if indeed it, if it, it will be, or if you don't see yourselves retiring necessarily at the same time, but you know holding assets jointly between a couple is much more efficient uh, when you come to draw on it. You know, it's more valuable to have you know, two hundred thousand pounds in a pension each when you come to draw on it than it is necessarily. To have four hundred thousand in just one person's name, because you can you know, use each other's tax you know, tax bands when you come to draw on that. And equally, thinking about you know what the what the shape and the nature of your income will look like. Will it be you know drawing from this income source to provide the fixed monthly income that means you can keep the fridge full and meet your sort of essential expenditure? And then alongside that, is it okay? So this is the pot for our big holiday trip this year, or if we need the new car always try and encourage people to look at things in the round.
0: Yeah, I think it's really, really important that people get a really thorough understanding of what their spending needs are going to look like throughout retirement and and particularly in, in relevance to those different stages you mentioned, Peter, as well. And the other thing that I think people often will neglect to think about is The impacts of inflation as well, and how that's going to impact their spending. We know that, you know, the purchasing power of the money that you have today is not going to be the same as it will be in 10, 20 years time. So preparing for that is really important.
2: Yeah. And I think uh, carrying on from, in a sense, what uh, Harry was saying, one of the other massive um, differences you can make with your planning is to be tax efficient. I mean, obviously, once you get to the stage where you're, you know, you're taking income from your pensions and other things, then if you can access income requirements and spending re- requirements from uh, sources that aren't taxed, obviously, that makes a massive difference to how quickly you use up assets and consume assets in that retirement phase. So, if you've been able to build different elements of your uh, assets over the, over the years. I mean, we all talk now about there being these ISA millionaires, you know, people who started to invest in ISAs when they first came on the scene. Now, after having, you know, maximized their ISAs over the years, uh, there are quite a number of people out there in those later stages who got substantial sums in there. Well, you know, if you need 5,000 pounds a month and it's coming out of an untaxed source, then you need £60,000 a year. You know, if, you, if it's coming out of a source where you tax at 40%, you need £100,000 a year to give you the same spending. That's just the arithmetic, and that just means that you know, you're going to make your investments and assets go much further, the greater degree of uh, tax efficiency you can create, and the only way to do that when you're using it is actually to build it that way in the years when you're accumulating it because you have to build it in the right structures that give you those uh, tax efficiencies
0: yeah it's an interesting one isn't it because then you've got on the flip side of that if you take that example of someone with a huge pot worth of vices built up versus someone with a huge pension built up then if inheritance tax is something that is a key driver for an individual that might also affect the planning and where you want to start taking uh, your income from and which pots you want to deplete over the course of time as well, and I think that's why again it's really important for someone to take that first step to be about you know what is it that matters to you and what are you trying to achieve with your money, what is the purpose of it, so that you can then formulate that retirement plan around that, which actually leads me again onto my next question, um, which is what what part do you think that an advisor can play in helping clients prepare for retirement that some people might not realize?
1: Well, I think obviously the nature of our role, we've seen and advised people on a lot of retirements, right? Whereas obviously people who really only have their own and maybe, you know, their own parents to reference. So hopefully, you know, we could be a sort of a safe pair of hands and provide some experience in in, some of the levers that we can pull for people, you know, as the world around us changes. Look at the last 12 months, for example, People's retirement spending plans have probably taken, well, have changed. (laughs) I'd imagine if it was, certainly if it was to do with travel. So obviously not drawing that income from that investment that was planned for that big trip last year. um, You know, it's just one example, maybe not taking an inflation linked income this year uh, because discretionary spending has been a bit reduced. Um, Hopefully as an advisor, we can be sort of a sounding board and, and guiding people through those decisions and equally avoiding costly mistakes. Yeah, and I think it goes also
2: right the way back to the start. I mean, as you said before, Harry, you know, you're at the other end of the spectrum. Sometimes when you're in your, you know, late 20s and 30s, the last thing you're thinking about is something that's going to be happening, you know, in 40 years' time. But kind of emphasising, and part of our role is to emphasise that whatever it is you can do at any stage in life, the sheer, you know, impact of, compounding growth over the years if you miss out on that then you know that you're missing a big trick in terms of of shaping things for to have those choices later in life because it's so much more difficult to catch up even when you've got the larger incomes or salaries that you expect to get in your career then trying to make up the lost ground is really really difficult so that's again where, you know, we can help. I mean, I I so often talk to my clients about setting up foundation pensions for their, in many cases, their grandchildren, not their children, because I know the impact of that sort of thing when, you know, it doesn't seem like a huge amount of money at the time, (laughs) but when it's going to be left to grow for at least 40 odd years before they're even allowed to touch it, even a relatively minor amount of money, you know, 50, 60, 70,000 pounds over the first 15, 16 years of life can turn into a pension pot that's getting close to a million pounds by the time you get into your 60s. Now, a million pounds in, you know, 56 years time won't buy you what it will today. But if it bought you a half or a quarter of that, <laughs> that would be incredible.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think I think also that it comes back down to what we can help do is really look to the future, and help clients see what their future might look like mapped out. And I know we've got lots of different tools and software that we can use. And it is, you know, particularly with the younger clients by showing them what the impact of the little savings that they can do today, and and how that is affected by compound growth over the long term to say, you know, this might seem like a really long way off. But if that means you can retire five years early, how does that make you feel? And therefore, you know, you're going to, miss out on a few things you know here and there and you know you're going to have to come into some better savings habits and maybe perhaps you know make some lifestyle tweaks in the early years but if that's going to have a really significant impact long term I think a lot of people it does help them wrap their heads heads around why they would be doing things.
1: And I think it's interesting what you said there Caitlin about the 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 lifestyle and the here and now So I think an absolutely classic one we see isn't it when someone's annual bonus comes around and, you know, super exciting. And obviously, you know, we are humans. We appreciate they might have earmarked some of that for, for some nice spending. But it's just sort of showing people that, you know, actually, if you deferred that like you know, that 30 grand bonus every year into your pension and benefited from 100% of it in the pot rather than it sort of, you know, going through payroll, this is the difference that will make, you know, bringing your retirement um, date earlier or, you know, really more income in the future. Just picking up from... Um...
2: What Harry was saying about, you know, then you were saying about the planning for the future. And then when you get to the stage where, you know, you're in this different life that you're now leading with more flexibility, it's just taking that hard look at your expenditure requirements and thinking about it simplistically. I, It, it never ceases to amaze me that so often people don't do this and they know that, you know, the money comes in every week from their salaries and things. They spend what they spend and they can't tell you what they spend it on. But of course, when you're in that stage where things have changed and you, don't, you won't spend money in the same way, and you probably won't have income to the same extent, but you can quite easily see by listing it, all everything you spend your money on, and then just look at whether you'll still spend that you know, in another few years' time, or will you spend that for the rest of your life? You can categorize your spending. So when we do the modeling that Caitlin talked about, which is is really helpful when you can see this visually you don't just assume that you will spend the same money for the rest of your life you know that's a simplistic way of looking at it it doesn't work like that you will spend it on different things and at different stages and you if you can see that presented to you visually and picking up on one of the things Caitlin mentioned earlier you know planning for the things that sometimes you forget about you know you yes you're going to have you know if you've got children you're probably going to be paying something towards weddings and all sorts of things and various times in your life or that big anniversary you want to celebrate so plug those in and then you can plan around that and you can see you know how that impacts and where that will come from and so on and so forth and you don't get as many surprises it'll always be things that don't work exactly according to plan but that's life but if you can really have most of the things you can certainly um, identify on your list whether it's the fact you'll change your car I mean let's not kid ourselves just because you're in that phase of life doesn't mean mean you won't need to change your car every now and again might not be quite as often but you will so put it in plan it and see how that's going to be afforded
0: yeah it's it's quite an interesting one isn't it because you, you think on one end of the spectrum you know clients tend to Uh, stop traveling as much you know once they hit a certain point but perhaps the the need for medication is going to increase and that's going to be a a spending habit that you might not be factoring in now but something that might be uh, necessary to think about for the future And, and you know we do need to make sure that our clients are prepared for the worst and we do see situations where you know a client will have to reframe the home and you know there might be um, care costs that are needed so whether that's someone coming in to help care for someone in the family or there might be a need for a a wheelchair Um, there's all sorts of things that you know can happen as we know that life isn't black and white um, and we hope for the best but we really need to prepare for the worst
1: I'm a big advocate of the idea of, of having a retirement mentor, which is sort of someone's retirement that you look at and aspire to, which again, is perhaps a little easier for us, you know, advising clients and seeing who's absolutely living the dream um, in retirement. You know, it could be someone in your family, a former colleague or, or even a neighbor, someone you sort of literally look over the fence and think, well, they've got it pretty good in, in retirement. They've, they've got it pretty cushy. And so what do I need to be doing to build that lifestyle for myself? I think that's a I think that's a good way of of looking
2: at it because we all find it easier to visualize things in that way when we can see something rather than it being a bit less tangible and that's a great way of looking at it you know look at somebody what they whatever they did worked you know kind of pick up any clues and cues from what they did but the main thing is it's 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 getting people to frame their retirement in a way of what they want it to look like, which Caitlin mentioned before. And that's the hugely important thing. Once you start to buy in emotionally to a picture of how life can be, then you start acting in a way that is consistent with that in terms of planning and other things. And that happens so many times in life. So why should it be any different with envisaging what your retirement can look like and then buying into that and operating accordingly? Peter, is that your agreement to being my retirement mentor then? I'd be happy to be your retirement mentor, Harry. We, we can go along to Old Trafford and um, and uh, share each other's uh, views on the game and other things.
1: Excellent.
0: <laughs> I, I called one of my clients on Monday afternoon, actually, and it was probably around 2 p.m. And the, the pubs had just opened here in the UK and he had – had many a beer and I thought actually that's quite a <laughs> nice life, isn't it? Being able to to hit the pubs the day they open and have a PM.
1: Maybe he should be my retirement mentor then.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I think in a way, if you think about it, we can almost be help that mentoring process with our clients. Because that's in a little bit about what we do as advisors. It's not so much that we're a shining light of of anything in particular but what we do is we've got the experience and, and encounters with with people around the place to be able to give those cues to our clients of how they can shape that and that's what a mentor does doesn't it so we can aid that process as well which i think is a big big part of being a good advisor
0: absolutely it's a really really important point peter so, if there was one piece of advice you would each give for someone getting ready for retirement, what would it be? Should we start with you, Harry?
1: Yeah. Shall I take this from a perspective of someone sort of in their thirties? I think it's, as I say, it's, it does seem a long way off. But if you set yourself targets along the way, um, it might be you know just easier to break things down that way. I think you know, typically, you know, people's first financial goal or, or priority is obviously to get on the housing ladder. And even personally, I found it easier when we were saving for a deposit because I knew I put X amount away each month and topped it up along the way. That would equal X amount, which would let me go and, you know, buy a house. You know, same really goes for pensions and other investments. You know, set yourself annual targets of what you want to have built up and, and check in on that, you know, on each on each anniversary. Brilliant. Just carrying on the continuum that
2: Harry has started there, clearly, when you get to the phase of actually using that uh, flexibility that you've created, you'll you'll only have done that successfully if you've planned throughout your life, like Harry has said, and that's it. Therefore, it's important to engage with thinking about the very long term as well as the very, very important living life for today and everything else. Otherwise, you won't be in a position to have the choices when you get to the point where you need them. But the important thing then is for people who are on the threshold perhaps of getting to the point of those choices is don't forget planning got you to where you are. Don't now stop planning because you think you've reached a threshold that means you don't have to do that anymore. You've got a long life ahead of you, hopefully, as most of us have, and you certainly should be planning for. And therefore plan for this exciting phase in a a diligent way in the way you have before and make your money work harder for you be clever about when you spend it and where from etc etc and you know advisors can help you do all of that but so my message is don't stop planning because you've got to this phase where uh, you're actually starting to enjoy the fruits of what you've planned for today and if you do that and you've done the planning today one of the things you will derive from that is peace of mind and actually having the peace of mind when you're entering this exciting phase as I call it because I'm in it and it's exciting and um, then that's a great attribute to have because it removes some of those anxieties that may be there if if that hasn't been the case and peace of mind is such a good state to be in
0: absolutely there really is so much to think about when it comes to retirement and, and it definitely isn't just a simple case of pension equals retirement in this day and age. Um, So I think it's been really interesting hearing from both of you today about all of the different aspects, not only from a planning perspective, but also from an emotional perspective, you know, what retirement really means to people. So thank you both so much for joining us. It's been really insightful and